Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Today, I'm going to recreate a teaching that I taught uh, this past Wednesday night at the Grace Family Church Prayer and Healing School. Um, I listened to the recording that I did there. It was not very good. Uh, I'm, I'm not great with a handheld mic. What can I tell you? Um, and so, and, and honestly, I think the subject matter here is so important uh, that it, it really has the potential to help so many people that I really want to create a good recording. I really want to kind of go slow and really take the time and, and hopefully allow the Spirit of God to lead this teaching and really bring out the the great and powerful truths that we're going to talk about today. And so um, I, I will start with kind of a disclaimer. Uh, I, this message was preached at, at the Grace Family Church Prayer and Healing School. It is not a Grace Family Church approved message. Uh, in, in fact, uh, I know that, that some people there do not agree with what I'm going to teach. We do not need to discuss that at all. But the only point I'm making here is that if you hear this and you think that I'm affiliated with that church and you are tempted to reach out to the church or you're tempted to complain to somebody there, please don't. It, it's not their message. It's my message. And I'm more than happy to receive your complaints, to, to receive your discussion points, to talk through any of this with you at any time. And, and I, just ask that you would give it some time and listen to the whole message because I really believe this is uh, uh, instruction from the Lord, from the Word of God, and I really believe this will bless you. And what we're going to talk today about fundamentally is how a Christian can be healed every single time. And I know that that's uh, a controversial statement, that that can be an offense-producing statement, uh, but I really believe it's the truth. And let me just start by telling you how I'm personally getting to this teaching. I grew up predominantly in very faith-filled churches in the word of faith environment, in churches that believed in healing, that believed in the spiritual gifts, that believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that believed in in these things that the Bible clearly talks about, but that much of the church world does not believe in. And we don't really need to get into that too much, but that's just the environment that I came out of. And, you know, for a variety of reasons, I, I have been studying faith and healing uh, for the better part of, I don't know, 16, 17 years, 18 years, something like that. It was 2004 as May of 2004, I had been in, uh, I had been heavily in church for about a year at that time, and I just truly decided to dedicate my life to God and to begin pressing in like never before. But so it was really somewhere in the fall of 2003 where I really began learning about faith and healing. And I'll tell you one of the reasons it was really important to me. I, I got hurt. As a child, I, I fell, um, this is like in seventh grade, I fell on rollerblades or a skateboard. Not exactly sure, but, uh, but I knocked my pelvis out of line. And so I was in tremendous back pain and, uh, I spent months with the chiropractor, months, you know, my parents praying for me and, and praise God, it really got better. And, uh, in, uh, in law school, after my first year of law school, probably from, uh, you know, sitting all day, 
that pain came roaring back. And so I really did, uh, you know, kind of focus in on healing, focus in on faith. And I, uh, and I used what I learned to get healed. And so really from that place, and that was, you know, that was either a uh, summer of 2004 or summer of 2005. You know, I've been, I've been uh, a believer in healing since then. I was miraculously healed uh, my back that time. No doctor, no medicine, no nothing, totally and completely healed. We'll, we'll come back to that story later because I think the details are a little better in a few minutes. But it's because of that. That was one of the big reasons that I became a believer in healing. It was a totally miraculous healing for my back. And I've been studying faith and healing, you know, aggressively ever since. Three years ago, my wife was diagnosed with stage four cancer, as many of you know. I was already a believer in healing, but um, I recognized that, that my wife had been attacked. We didn't blame God. We didn't think it was God's will. and There was none of that. God supernaturally led us to some different teachers like Andrew Womack and Curry Blake. And I realized that... Uh, that while I knew a lot about healing, there was so much more that I had to learn, that there were some key elements that that I missed. And maybe you've heard me say this before, but I just want to encourage you, if you're thinking you've heard this before, we're going to get to the very practical process of how a Christian can be healed every time. Uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to teach you that tonight. But uh, But I just want to set it up a little bit so you understand so three years ago when she was diagnosed, even though we knew a lot about healing, we decided to start pressing in like never before because she was basically said, you know, no matter what, you'll be on chemo for the rest of your life. And if you really if you really do great, you can expect to be alive for six to eight years. Now, she was 37 at the time, maybe 36. Um, and uh, you can imagine that was a shock. And that, that was terrible. And we realized that our only hope was to go to God and, and get a miracle. And so I'm, I'm ecstatic to glorify God and tell you that today, three years and two months later, she's totally and completely out of it. She's totally and completely healed. She's been a year and a half off chemotherapy, and it's an absolute miracle. And uh, she did use conventional treatments. We did the natural, the conventional, and the spiritual, you know, and the spiritual taking the predominant lead in that. But she's totally and completely healed today. Glory to God. But you see, that's why, you know, and, and I pray maybe that you never have to go that deep, that you're never in a life and death situation where you never see one of your loved ones facing a death sentence and you never, you know, that you never need to press in like we, we did. But we had no choice. We had to see to the ends, to the depths of healing. And, and so, you know, for people that want to criticize my doctrine that God wants everybody healed, that everybody can heal. Okay. You know, I understand that. And I understand that it's not maybe the most common teaching in the church world today, but I'm telling you, and it's the truth. And, and, you know, and we didn't just hear one sermon. I didn't just stumble across it one day in somebody's uh, pamphlet that they mailed to my house looking for money. It wasn't like that. No, we, we mined the word of God ourselves for revelation. And we listened to countless teachings and the Lord put it together for us. And I tell you, I realized very early on in this, in this season that we were coming out of that situation with great spoil. And, 
And that spoil was not just going to be my wife totally and completely healed and cancer-free and off every type of medication, off every chemo, that that was not the only treasure we were going to find. We were going to find how everybody can be healed every time. We knew that was the goal. And yes, it is a little sad that it took me three years to where I see it clearly now. But we knew that that was the goal. And it was from that place and in that desperation, in that time with God and crying out to God from that day to this, like never before, from watching healing sermons constantly, almost on a nightly basis on our house, from pressing in, from meditating, for being in all sorts of different meetings and environments. That's where this comes from. And so I submit, I submit to you tonight that this is the most important and wonderful thing I think that I've ever learned from the Word of God. And I'm so glad to share it with you. And so tonight we're going to briefly talk about three subjects. And the only reason we're not going to go straight into the very practical process of how you can be healed as a Christian every single time <clears throat> is I just need to do a little groundwork first, especially if you're hearing me talk for the first time. But I will also say that I have many hours of teaching on my podcast, the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. It's all free. I don't get any kickbacks. I don't get any money. It's not for price nor reward. It's all available on faith and healing and all sorts of different things. And I invite you to listen to that. Those go into extreme detail uh, in a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. But we're going to cover three uh, subjects the first one is that God wants everyone healed. I'm just going to briefly show you that from the Word of God. The second is why everyone is in fact not healed, why there are so many people suffering from sickness and disease in the world today. And then then we're going to go into how a Christian can be healed every time and really spend most of our time there. So let's start by just briefly looking at the Word of God. And I could go for hours on this first subject. And in fact, I do in other teachings. But for tonight, let's briefly look at how God wants every everyone healed. Everyone, not just Christians. God wants everyone healed. Let me show you that from the Word of God. This is Exodus fifteen twenty six. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, and if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. In this passage, God calls himself Jehovah Rapha. That is one of the redemptive names of God. He calls himself the Lord who heals. And I believe that is the most important statement in the word of God to lay a foundation for your understanding of the healing will of God. He literally calls himself the God who heals. Exodus twenty three twenty five through 26. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will be barren or miscarry in your land. I will give you a full life span. In my opinion, this is the clearest description of God's will for your physical body. This is what Jehovah Rapha wants for your physical body. Literally, uh, none will be barren or miscarry. That means from the moment you are conceived, he is watching you. 
He is looking after you and he wants you to have a perfect experience in the womb. So it starts at conception. Then he says, I will take sickness from among you. I encourage you to look at that in the Hebrew. Literally, he will take sickness out of your existence. He will remove sickness as part of your reality. That is what is possible. That is what God wants for you. And at the end, I will give you a full lifespan. You're not going to die early. You're going to have a long life. Remember, it says in another place with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God wants you to have a full lifespan. So God is going to protect you in the womb. He wants you to have a perfect experience in the womb. He wants you to have a full lifespan and not just any lifespan, a lifespan where sickness, disease, ailments of every kind are literally not even a part of your existence. God wants you to have a full lifespan with a perfect physical existence. That is what Jehovah Rapha wants for you. Now, it's not automatic. It doesn't just automatically happen. I truly wish that it did, but it doesn't. It doesn't automatically happen for sinners, and it doesn't automatically happen for Christians. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But look at Malachi 3.6. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. Before the earth was created, he was Jehovah Rapha, and he wanted perfect physical healing and health for his people. During the time of the Israelites, he was still Jehovah Rapha. And as the ages pile themselves one upon another in the eternity, he will always be Jehovah Rapha. And we won't have the problems of sickness and disease in the eternity in heaven with God, but he will still be Jehovah Rapha. That is who he is. He is the God who heals. He's the God who heals for me. He is the God who heals for everyone. Isaiah 53, 4-5, many of you have heard this. This is one of the great prophecies about Jesus. He says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You need to understand the importance of this passage as it relates to healing, we learn, and just in case someone might say that this is not about physical healing, that is wrong. In Matthew chapter 8, we see very specifically that this is in fact, this, this is a prophecy about physical healing. And again, in 1 Peter 2.24, the last part, by his stripes we are healed, that is repeated there. Also, again, tying it to physical healing, the word healed that's used in 1 Peter 2.24 is a very specific word in the Greek. It is about physical healing. So make no mistake. Yes, yes, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be forgiven. We can have our sins removed. We can, in fact, become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But we can also receive our physical healing in the greatest act. For healing that Jehovah Rapha could ever do. He took every sickness, every disease, every ailment. In fact, every punishment for sin that would ever be inflicted on a physical body, he took all of those things. He put them on Jesus who paid the price for our sins by suffering 
all of these things and more spiritual suffering we can't even fathom. He bore it all for us. He bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases and by his stripes we were healed. That is one of the things that happened on the cross and because He paid the price on the cross for our physical healing as well as our spiritual redemption. Because he paid the price on the cross for our healing. Let me say it this way. Because he paid the price on the cross for our spiritual redemption and rebirth, everyone can be saved. And because he paid the price on the cross... For our physical healing, everyone can be healed. And the healing power of Jehovah Rapha has been totally and completely released to the body of Christ. But I get it. You know, one thing that is a little bit complicated, and I want to make sure that I identify clearly, is how both Christians and and non-Christians alike can be healed. It is, there is a different analysis for each group of people, but it is still true that both can be healed every single time by the power of God. Let's look at Acts 28 verses 2 through 9. Now remember, Paul is on one of his missionary journeys. He's now shipwrecked, and this is 20 to 30 years, 20 to 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he finds himself shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. And it says, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. So let's stop right there before we continue with that story. Notice what happened to Paul. He was bit by a venomous snake. The locals knew the snake They knew what would happen if you got bit, that you would die. And in fact, what happened to Paul? Nothing. Not the slightest ill effects from the deathly, deadly venom from that snake. And why was that? Because the total healing power of God was completely resonant and operational in Paul's physical body. Paul didn't need to pray. Paul didn't need to fast. Paul didn't need to immediately fall on his face before God, begging that God would heal him from the snake. No, Paul had a total revelation that the healing power of God was resident in his body. And as Jesus said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. That is the level of the healing power of God that is available to Christians. We talk so much these days In this COVID-19 environment about immunity, we have what we might call vaccinated immunity. We have what we might also call natural immunity. But, you know, there is another type of immunity, and that's divine immunity. And that's what we see here. Divine immunity protecting Paul from the slightest ill effects of that snake. 
And I know that some people, when they approach healing, they think, what about the thorn in the flesh of Paul? We cannot dive deeply in that tonight. But let me just tell you, there is no scriptural evidence that that was a physical ailment. The phrase messenger of Satan sent to buffet me shows that it was a it was fundamentally it was a demonic spirit that Satan sent against Paul. It may have had different manifestations. We certainly I'm not trying to say we know everything about it, but it is not a biblically accurate statement to say that Paul had a thorn in the flesh, which was a physical ailment that God refused to heal. That is not biblically accurate. You see, Paul walked about with the healing power of God totally on his life, totally in his body, and it was ministering to him in this event with this snake, and it was ministering to others, as we're about to see now. So let's continue with the story. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Now let's just think about that. Who who were the people on this island. This was not some sort of Christian outpost. These people weren't, you know, all there for some sort of, you know, mission trip. No, this was a bunch of islanders and a bunch of Romans. And I can pretty much say that we could guarantee they were all devil worshipers. They were all people who worshiped idols, if they worshiped anything at all. Certainly none of them were Christians. And yet we see the healing power of God totally and completely available for them all. They were probably sacrificing to their false gods and idols that morning. They probably said prayers to their false gods at some point that day. But you know what? They came to the healing that healing meeting that afternoon and the Christian God showed up. Jehovah Rapha showed up and totally and completely healed them all. You know, I bet every sin we could possibly think of was present in that healing meeting. The people didn't have to fast. They didn't have to get born again first. They didn't have to get sanctified first. There was none of that. No, they all got healed. You see, that's the extent to which the healing power of God is available. It's available for the unchristian, for the non-believer, And for the Christian alike, it's been fully released. And isn't that wonderful? And I know you maybe have never heard that, but that's okay. It's all right. You know, we're all learning. We're all growing. We're all studying the word and learning more day by day. And this is one of the profound truths that we personally realized in our study. You know, when Jesus held a healing meeting, everybody got healed. And we see that when the apostles held a healing meeting... After the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, everybody got healed. So praise the Lord. That's what Jehovah Rapha wants. And why? Why would he want all of these devil-worshipping islanders to get healed? Because he loves them. Because Christ died for every one of them. Because the gospel was available to them all. And Jehovah Rapha wants people to see his love, his mercy, his healing power, so that they will recognize that he is the one and only God. That he loves them. And that he will heal 
their bodies, but he will save their soul. So that's what we see here. And let me just say before we move on that it doesn't matter how you got sick. Maybe you abused drugs, shared needles and got a disease. Maybe you have an STD. Maybe you have had, you know, just a horrible dietary life and you got diabetes or you had some sort of other problem. You know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you got sick. The Lord's mercies are new every morning. It doesn't matter what sin you may have committed. I know this is radical, but this is what we see in the Word of God. This is what we see in the Isle of Malta. It doesn't matter what happened to you. It doesn't matter how you got it. It doesn't matter what injury, what ailment, what sickness, what disease, what sins you've committed. You can be healed because Jehovah Rapha loves you and his healing power has been made totally and completely available to you. So, okay, let's, let's keep going. Why? Why is it then if the, if Jehovah Rapha's healing power has been totally and completely released, why do we have so many people with cancer, so many people with COVID-19, so many people with all sorts of sicknesses and diseases in the world? How can that be, Byron, if Jehovah Rapha wants everyone healed? Well, let's just go to the word of God. First Timothy chapter two, verses three through four. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. This is an express statement here of God's will that every single person should be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what God wants, that everyone would be saved and come to a salvation knowledge through Jesus Christ. But we have 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So you see here that it is God's will for everyone to be saved. But the devil who is the God of this world. The word world there is eon, which means this period of time. The devil is the God of this period of time. We are in one unbroken eon that started with the fall of man and it continues to this day. And the devil is the ruler of this period of time. I didn't say it, the Bible did. And he is actively at work fighting against the salvation knowledge of God. So while it is God's will that everyone would be saved and come to a salvation knowledge in Jesus Christ, his will for everyone is not automatic. He does not control who gets saved and who doesn't. His enemy, our enemy, Satan, is out there actively at work to blind the minds of people so that they cannot see the glorious light of the good news so they won't understand the message about the glory of Christ. So God wants everybody saved, but the devil wants the opposite. And he's out there fighting against the will of God. And the same is true for healing. But let's keep going. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. 
the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. How can we have so many terrible things going on in this world? How can there be all of the war, all of the poverty, all of the the death, the murders, the sex trafficking, the drug trafficking, the slavery, all of the horrible things? How can we have those in this world? It's not God's will. It's not God's doing. It is, in fact, the devil and his activity in the world today for those people that he has blinded them against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What is he doing? He is at work in their hearts. He is literally causing them and requiring them to do evil things. It says they are obeying the devil. He is at work in their hearts according to his evil will. And you see, this is reality, my friends. That there are millions, if not billions of people who have been blinded against the gospel of Jesus Christ and the devil is at work in their hearts. Colossians 1 verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. You see, my friends, there is a dominion of darkness and there is a kingdom of God and you are either in one or the other. When you receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, when Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior, you are moved instantly into the kingdom of God. But all of the others out there, they are part of the dominion of darkness and the devil is at work in their hearts, fighting against the gospel of Jesus Christ, fighting against the will of God. This is reality. All of the terrible things in the world, they are not God's will. They are the devil's will. John 10.10 10, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. My friends, you must settle it in your heart that God does only good things. The devil does only bad things. They never switch jobs. And the devil is self-employed. God is not using the devil to do horrible things in this earth according to God's mysterious and unknowable will. That is not true. You see, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was not convincing the world that he doesn't exist. It was convincing the church that God's unknowable and mysterious will is what's responsible for all of the evil things in the earth today. When in fact, the God of this period of time, who is Satan, who is at work in the hearts of unbelievers to do his evil will, he is the one that's causing the, the, the sickness, the disease, the war, the poverty. It's him. It's not God. And we, as the children of God, as those who have been brought into the kingdom of God, have a job. It's our job to take up the name of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, all the authority that we've been given from God through our union with Christ and to war against the dominion of darkness. And I tell you, that is, that is one of the most exciting parts of life. When you find your place, when you take your place in the kingdom of God, I'm still working on it. I'm not saying I've arrived. 
But this is the way we need to think. This is reality. So we know that Jehovah Rapha wants everybody healed. But the devil, if he could, he would kill everybody. So we have these opposing forces. Jehovah Rapha wants you healed. The devil wants you sick. He's the God of this period of time. Sickness and sin and disease and death is is throughout our world in many different ways. The curse of sin has infiltrated many aspects of our reality. And there are a wide variety of things that can attack our bodies. Sometimes it's a demonic thing that might attack you. That's what I believe happened to my wife. I had stepped out. The day her stomach started hurting, I preached to probably 200 people about healing that same day. I know it was a demonic attack against her to take us out, to stop this word. But there are lots of things that can cause sickness and disease. Maybe you just do something silly and get injured. You know, that's what happened to my ankle on Thanksgiving when I've, and I've told that testimony. I was carrying a big cooler and I wasn't in a great mood and I wasn't thinking what I was doing. And I stepped off the curb and rolled my ankle hard. It popped. I felt it. But you know what? I got miraculously healed. And you see, we have to understand that different Things, negative things can happen to our physical bodies for different reasons, but they are not God's will. God did not bring them on us. He did not cause them and we can be healed every single time. So now we're going to launch into this discussion of how a Christian can be healed every single time. And I want to start by saying that there is absolutely nothing wrong with going to doctors. My wife, we had some people that were close to us. This is not a knock against them in any way. They love us. They were doing their best. They they really said that they would not do chemotherapy, that they would not do any conventional treatments, that they would just stand on the word of God. And I And I respect that. I love them. But we were not ready for that. We did not understand these truths about divine healing at that time three years ago like we do today and my wife was wise enough to say that she 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 didn't think we were there that we could do that so i went to the lord about that and he spoke to me very clearly in a dream he said okay don't worry about it go to moffitt get the chemo uh she's going to have a a wonderful response a perfect response and it's going to be good so that's what we did and we went in faith for that chemo and every treatment we spoke chemotherapy in Jesus name, we take authority over you. You are not going to hurt one healthy cell in Shannon's body. You are only going to hurt any cancer cells. You are only going to attack anything that shouldn't be in her body. And then you are going to cease your activities and leave her body when you're done. And I tell you, immediately her, her tumor started shrinking. They started calcifying, which means dying. The The numbers in her blood panel started plummeting. And I mean, the doctors were astounded. Every time they did her blood work, which was every two weeks, they would call, this is amazing. This is astounding. What was, what was the word? I mean, I don't know, but it was words. I just can't remember the guy. It was a specific word he was using, but, you know, spectacular or something like that, you know, that, that it was just unbelievable to them the response that she was having. And we could go on and on about that, but we won't today. But we were receiving a manifestation of our prayer. So there's nothing wrong with doctors. And I want you to hear me clearly on that. We'll talk about that again 
in a moment. But this is not a message to say, you know, don't ever use a doctor. Don't ever go to a doctor. What you want to do is let Jehovah Rapha guide your whole healing journey. That is the key. So let's start. Let's start. How can a Christian be healed every time? Well, first of all, let's understand that from a biblical perspective, there are multiple ways a Christian can be healed. And according to James chapter 5, that verse says, if any is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And what does it say? It says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So according to James 5, a sick Christian could go to the elders and get the prayer of faith and be healed. That's one way a Christian could be healed. Another way, and this is 1 Corinthians 12, there are certain Christians that have the spiritual gift of healing. You could go and seek out one of those uh, Christians or one of those ministers, you know, a healing evangelist, for example. If you hear that squeaking, I'm sorry, that is my dog. Uh but you could go and you could seek out such an evangelist and you could have them pray for you and be healed. In Mark 16, we find another way. Remember, Jesus, Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. And one of the signs is they shall lay hands on the sick and they recover. So you, as a Christian, you don't need to go to a healing evangelist. You could just go to another Christian and have them lay hands on you and be healed. And, you know, there might be other ways. I'm not suggesting that we're covering every single way, but these are the ones that are the most obvious, in my opinion. And the last one, and this is the one we're going to focus on most heavily tonight, is you could pray for yourself in faith and be healed. And that's the one that will work every single time. And so that's what we're really going to talk about tonight. But before we do, you must understand that no matter which method of healing you want to pursue, it must be pursued in faith. That's true biblical faith. So let's look at James 1 verses 5 through 8 just to make that point clear. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what is he saying there? If you lack wisdom, it is God's will for you to have that wisdom. And all you have to do is ask. He's going to give you wisdom liberally. But what is the key? You must ask in faith, in true biblical faith. Because if you don't, if you don't come in faith, if you don't have the healing evangelist lay hands on you in faith, if you don't have the elders pray for you in faith, if you don't have the other Christian lay hands on you in faith, if you don't pray for yourself in faith, you won't receive from God. And I, we're going to talk about faith tonight. We're going to talk about what true biblical faith is. And I don't want to get sidetracked yet, but I just need you to understand for now that that is the requirement. So let me go back to my healing, my back healing all those years ago. What happened to me is I was in this just terrible and constant back pain. It wasn't that I couldn't walk or anything, but it was a constant dull pain, very uncomfortable. And so I heard a teaching from Kenneth Hagin, and he talked about the woman with the issue of blood and and. When you look at the Greek, the Bible says that, that this woman said and kept on saying, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. 
So she said that to herself and she got in faith. And how do we know that she got in faith? Because Jesus said, you know, woman, don't worry about it. Don't don't fear. Because remember, she pressed through the crowd and she had been unclean and all that. He said, your faith has made you well. She got into faith. So I heard that teaching from Kenneth Hagin and I said, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. I know Rodney Howard Brown. I know a lot of people think he has a healing gift. I'm going to go out to his meeting. I'm going to get him to lay hands on me and I'm going to get my back healed. And so the specific thing that I said and kept on saying was this. When the man of God lays hands on me, my back will be healed. When the man of God lays hands on me, my back will be healed. So what I did was I went and I built myself up. And you see, that's biblical. What I did was biblical because I was approaching it based on 1 Corinthians 12. Here's a person with a healing gift. In fact, any three of those applications would have worked. He's an elder. He has a healing gift. And he's a Christian. So I was going and I was doing a biblically appropriate thing. And I was building my faith. When the man of God lays hands on me, I'll be healed. When the man of God lays hands on me, I'll be healed. So I go out there. I get in the healing line. Sure enough, he he lays hands on me. Boom, I get healed. Totally and completely and miraculously healed. Not a, no, no medicine, no doctor, no nothing. Absolutely pain-free for a decade. Totally miraculous. The only reason I started experiencing back pain later was because I did stupid things that I knew I shouldn't do at the CrossFit gym, and I pulled my hips out of alignment. But anyway, that's another story for another day. Praise God, I'm healed from that now too. But my point is, I married true biblical faith with one of these healing methods. And that is the requirement. Why do so many people go to the prayer meeting, go to the prayer line, and they, you know, maybe they feel good for an instant, but they're not really healed. They don't really get that manifestation. It's because they're not operating in true biblical faith. And I just feel led to go ahead and address one issue. You know, some people might say, Byron, you're saying I don't have enough faith. You know, you're attacking my faith. Uh, you know, how can you say that? And you see, that's a common knock against these teachings. But listen to me, my brother and si- brothers and sisters. I'm not attacking your faith. I'm trying to help you understand what is true biblical faith. True biblical faith is not just want. It's not just hope. True biblical faith is I know that I know that I know that I've got it. So we're going to talk about that tonight. So don't don't hear me talk about faith and, and say, oh, he's attacking my faith or he's belittling my faith. Please don't hear me say that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm here to help you. And I'm here to help you understand this is true biblical faith because I think you'll find, as I did, as I did, as I did, I want you to hear that clearly, that I'm not saying I haven't been there. I'm not saying that I haven't gone through these things for myself, that What I think you'll find when we discuss the true message of faith is that what you've been operating in, as I did, was not exactly the biblical definition of faith. I was operating in a lot of hope. I was operating in a lot of want. But it wasn't necessarily true biblical faith. And my friends, I want you to know that my life has radically changed since I really began understanding true biblical faith. So let's keep going though. Okay. All right. So now we're going to, we're diving in now without any further ado. How can a Christian be healed 
every single time by praying for themselves in faith. Here is step one. And for our discussion today, we are going to use migraine headaches. I just picked that. I've never had migraine headaches. If you do, good news, you can be healed. So the first thing we are going to do to start our healing process is we are going to exercise authority and or power for healing. We get this from Luke 9, 1 through 2. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The concepts of power and authority as it relates to divine healing are very important. And we've talked about that. I believe I have a full podcast episode that's called Authority and Power in Divine Healing. And see, what you find in the Word of God is that every healing miracle was either a miracle of authority or power. For example, the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus didn't exercise any authority. He didn't pray for her. He didn't even know who touched him. But she touched him. And she received a, she received a, a deposit of the healing power of God into her body. Because remember, Jesus in the King James, it says virtue. Jesus says, I know somebody touched me for I feel that virtue has gone out of me. The word is the same Greek word as power. It's the word dunamis. That's the word. It's the dunamis miracle working power of God that's resident in Jesus's body. So that miracle specifically and others, but that one specifically, there was no exercise of authority there. There was just power and she touched the power and got healed. Now contrast that miracle with the miracle for the centurion servant. Remember, he said to Jesus, you don't even need to come into my house, Jesus, because I understand Authority. I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, do this, and he does it. And to another, do that, and he does it. And Jesus marveled at that faith. The centurion had amazing faith in Jesus's authority. And so that's, he came to Jesus for that authority. And that's how the centurion servant got healed. And as you, if you will look, sometimes they're both in operation, authority and power. But that is what we see in every healing miracle, and that's what we need to be operating in when we're going to see healing in our own bodies. So if I have migraine headaches, I'm going to lay hands on my head, my own hands, and I, and look, and if you have a spouse, if you have a kid, if you have somebody else, a friend, whatever, yeah, get them to join in the prayer of agreement, right? Go for it. Uh, but... You don't need that. It's not an absolute requirement. So I'm going to lay hands on my head and I'm going to say, in Jesus' name, I take authority over this pain in my head. I take authority over anything in my head that shouldn't be there. And I take authority over every aspect of my head. And I say, be healed in Jesus' name. And any pain, anything that shouldn't be in there, I command you to be removed and cast into the sea right now. Get out of my head, never to return in Jesus' name, amen. So that's step one. I've exercised my authority and power. Some of you may receive a miraculous healing, an instantaneous healing right there. And praise God, that's wonderful if you do. But to the extent your head still hurts, which is very possible, and this is not 
a faithless statement. This is just how it is. I've been there. You pray for yourself and it still hurts. When I hurt my ankle on Thanksgiving, I prayed for myself and it still hurt hours later. We must move into the place of faith where I believe I've received it, where I believe that prayer worked before I see the physical manifestation. I believe that my head is healed before it stops hurting. That sounds crazy, I know, but that's what I need to teach you about faith. So step one, we're going to exercise our authority or power. And let me also just mention briefly, every Christian automatically, the moment they become a Christian, they have that authority. So whatever denomination you're in, doesn't matter. You're a born-again Christian, you have that authority. To receive the power, you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Look, I get it. That's a controversial statement, but it is the biblical truth. The power, the dunamis, miracle-working power, comes with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, call me, we'll meet, get it knocked out. It's freely available to all Christians in the same way healing is. So, but step one, I'm going to exercise authority or power. Step two, now I'm going to stand in faith that I'm healed. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. Now, I need to first help you understand that in the Bible, the word for faith is pistis. It comes from the uh, verb to convince or to be persuaded. When I have faith, I am convinced, I am fully persuaded. The Greek word for faith is pistis. The Greek word for believe is pisteo, which literally means to have pistis. So when Jesus says, believe what they say will happen, he means have faith that what you say will happen. Be totally and completely persuaded and convinced that what you say will happen. And he says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. What is he saying? He's saying, pisteo, that you have received it. Have faith that you have already received it and it will be yours. That's what he's saying. And I get it. That sounds crazy. But there is a period of time. Remember, this passage comes to us at the miracle of the fig tree. He cursed the fig tree. And the next day they come back and Peter says, look, look, Jesus, the fig tree, it's dried up from the root. And that's when Jesus launches into this discussion. It was a period of time between when Jesus cursed that fig tree and when the physical manifestation of that curse showed up and the fig tree was dead, obviously, to the whole world. There is a period of time between when you pray and when you see. That is the place of faith. I believe that I have received something before I see it in the natural realm. That is the key. 
That is the place of faith. That is where you must go to operate in true biblical faith. When the man of God lays hands on me, I will be healed. My back did not, when Rodney Howard Brown laid hands on me, the pain didn't go instantly. But I laid on the ground. I kept my mind in the place of faith. And two to three minutes later, I began experiencing like a like a physical jerking in my back. And I was miraculously healed. So it wasn't instantaneous. It was it was a couple of minutes, right? That basically qualifies in my book. But but that's my point. There is a period of time, sometimes short, sometimes longer, between when you say, when you declare, when you pray, and when that thing shows up in the natural. And that is the place of faith. So how? How am I going to get to that place of faith? That's what we want to do. And so as we talk about getting to the place of faith, you'll see more and more in these verses about that period of time between when I've prayed and when I see it. All right. But we're going to talk about how to get to the place of faith that you are healed. Even when the scan still shows cancer, even when the blood work still shows disease, even when your head's still throbbing, how do you get to that place where you know that you're healed? Because that's the place of faith. What we are going to do is we are going to get one of the promises directly from God. We are going to get one of the promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in Christ are yea and in Christ amen unto the glory of God by us. You see, there are many promises in the Bible, including many for your physical bodies. By Jesus' stripes I was healed. The Lord has restored my health and healed my wounds. No plague will come nigh my dwelling. You see, all of those promises are yours in Christ. And see, that's why I'm really directing this message tonight to Christians. Because all the promises of God in Christ are yes. He earned them all. You never will. You never could. You cannot earn healing. You cannot earn anything from God. But Jesus did. And through your union with Christ, all of the promises are yours as well. And what do the promises do when the promises manifest in your life? When the healing shows up in your life, it brings glory to God. Now, let's keep going. So all the promises are yours. So we're going to focus on the promises. Hebrews 6.12 We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So how are we going to get this healing promise? Faith and patience. Remember, I told you faith was required. And patience, patience only means constancy or steadfastness. That means I'm in the place of faith and I'm going to stay patiently in this place of faith until it manifests, until it shows up. That's what patience means. I'm going to stay steadfast in the steadfast in the place of faith. So, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. And notice that word inherit. These promises are yours, child of God. These promises are your inheritance. Remember what Jesus said to the Syrophoenician woman who came for her daughter. He said, it is not good to give the children's bread to the little dogs under the table. 
What was the children's bread? Healing. The miraculous healing power of God. That was the children's bread. And it was available for her too, just in case you don't know the story. Her, her daughter got healed. It was available to her. But very clearly, healing belongs to God's children. Healing is your inheritance. So by faith and patience, you inherit the promises. By faith and patience, you're going to get healed. So we are going to get in true biblical faith for one of the promises of God. So I've exercised authority and power, and now I'm going to stand in faith to receive a manifestation of one of God's promises for healing. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. In that verse, we learn a great secret. How do I get in true biblical faith? I get there by hearing the rhema word of God. The word word in Greek, there's two words that they use in the Greek predominantly. Logos, which means a written word, and rhema, which means a spoken word or a living word. Here are some examples of a rhema. Perhaps someone prophesies into your life and you know it was God. Right? That's a rhema. Perhaps you have a dream or vision from God. That's a rhema. Perhaps you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit or even the audible voice of God. Those are rhemas. Those are living spoken words direct from God to you. And they build faith. But another way, in a wonderful way, we can get a rhema is by allowing the Spirit of God to quicken or make alive to us one of the written verses from the Bible. And so let me tell you how that looks like, because let's go back, you know, let's assume, you know, you have migraine headaches and you're trying to deal with this scripturally and you're looking for a promise. You know, a lot of times what people will do, and I highly recommend this, is they'll get a whole bunch of scriptures for healing. Maybe you have a money problem. You get a whole bunch of scriptures for money. Maybe you have a problem with your child or your spouse and you get all these scriptures and you start studying. And you know what happens? You read that list of scriptures and and one of them or a couple of them really jumps out to you. You're like, man, that's the one that hits just right. That's the one that I want. That's the one for me. That is the spirit of God quickening that verse to you. And now it has become a rhema word. That's the one you grab. That's the promise you grab onto. And that's the one we're going to stand on. And let me just mention, don't worry. Don't get, you know, anxious about picking one. Just pick the one you like the most. Because remember, why do you like any of them? It's not your human mind. It's not, you know, whatever flesh you still retain. No, it's the spirit of God. It's your born again spirit. It's your renovated mind. That's the only reason you like any of the verses is because of what the work of God in your heart and in your mind. So just go with that. And whichever verse you like the best that feels right, just grab that one. And if there's a couple of them, that's okay too. So now you have your rhema. Now you have your promise. And what are we going to do? Faith comes by hearing the rhema of God. And here's how I do it. All right. I take that promise and I start speaking it boldly, violently, aggressively over my life. 
when I was in Canada, I had landed in Canada with my family and, and I was clearly being attacked by a sickness and disease. My voice was really struggling. It was the first day there. We were there for two weeks. I did not want that at all, right? And I'd received a lot of these truths. So I said, I got on my verse, by Jesus stripes I was healed. And I started aggressively saying it and it sounded ridiculous because my voice was really faltering, you know, and it was all I could do to even get the words out. By Jesus stripes, I was healed. By Jesus stripes, I was healed. By Jesus stripes, my voice was healed. My health is restored and my wounds are healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. By Jesus stripes, I was healed. This is not vain repetition. This is not some dumb new age exercise. This is Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing the rhema of God. So I kept hearing that rhema. I did the exact same thing with my ankle on Thanksgiving. I kept hearing that rhema and building my faith. And while you're building your faith, your true biblical faith, unbelief goes, fear goes, anxiety goes. We're going to come back to those concepts, but I'm building my faith. I'm getting stronger. And just to finish that story, I did that all day, man. We were marching all over the Vancouver area and I'm confessing that word all day. And that night after we put the kids down, I said something to my wife and boom, I was 85% healed. That's just an, this is just my estimate. I said something and all of a sudden I realized, whoa, whoa, my voice is back. It wasn't 100% that moment, but it was way back. No symptoms, no sickness, no cough, no sneeze, no sniffle, no nothing. Morning woke up totally and completely healed. Absolutely miraculous. So Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Remember I told you that there is a period of time between when I pray and when I see. And what I'm going to do to get into the place of faith that I believe I receive before I see is I'm going to hear and keep on hearing that rhema word of God. That promise for my healing. By Jesus stripes, I was healed. My health is restored and my wounds are healed. Sickness has been removed from my midst. I'm going to make it uh, very passionate, very aggressive, very personal. I'm going to hear that rhema and my faith is going to grow. And it grows to the point where you know you've got it. That's what happens. That's what happens as you operate this process. As you hear the rhema. Faith comes and you get to a point where you know you've got it. My head still hurts, but I know that I'm healed. My doctor still says that I'm sick, but I know that I'm healed. I have the substance of what I'm hoping for because I have this faith. I have the evidence. I haven't seen the scan show that I'm healed yet, but I know that I'm healed. I believe that I received before I see. I know that I've got it. I know that I'm healed. In the Amplified, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. You know, it's interesting that the Amplified gives us the word title deed. I own personally some land in Colorado. 
I've only seen it a couple of times. It hasn't been very long, but I have a deed. And I may not be able to see that land, but I know that I own it. I've got this deed. It says right here that I own it. And the Bible operates the same way. I've got my rhema word of God. I've got my promise of God. And I can't see that perfect scan yet, but I know that I'm healed. I've got it. I've got the assurance. I've got the confirmation. I've got the conviction of its reality because that's what faith is. Faith perceives through as real fact what is not yet revealed to the senses. It's coming. It's going to happen. But I'm in the place of faith now. So now let's go on the next. How do you know when you are truly in the place of faith? Hebrews 4.3 For we which have believed do enter rest. When you're operating in this, you're going to get to the place where all of a sudden you know you've got it. You know you're healed. Your pain, you might still feel the pain, but you know you've got it. Faith has come. And when that happens, you start to experience the peace and the joy from the Holy Spirit. You enter that rest. The anxiety leaves. The peace comes. You know that you've got it. And you know, maybe you've never been through this before, but let me tell you one area where many, many Christians actually have. It's in your salvation. There's nothing I could do or say to you. There's no scan we could produce. There's no attack I could make on you or your character or any aspect of your life that would say that you're not born again Christian. That that would convince you you're not going to heaven. You didn't earn it. It's all a free gift of God's grace. And you're going to heaven. And there's nothing I could say. And in fact, when troubles come, or when difficulty comes, or if your life's threatened in any way, you have a constant peace, a constant joy, knowing that in fact you are saved and you rest in your salvation. You rest in the grace of God for your eternal destiny. And it's the exact same process for healing. I confess the word of God. I believe that I received. It's a little harder because in the natural, there are things fighting against you. Your your head might hurt. Your doctor might be telling you you're going to die. It might be other things, right? But you know that you've got it. And when you hit that place of faith, the peace comes, the rest comes, the joy comes. Hebrews 4.11, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. If you aren't feeling that rest, if you're trying to confess this word, but you're still feeling the anxiety, you're still feeling the fear, you're still feeling the stress, you're still worried about the next scan or the next doctor's appointment. Look, I'm not condemning you. I'm not condemning your faith. I'm not belittling you. We've all been there. Probably every single person who's ever learned about this has been there. But my brother, you can, my sister, you can get to the place of faith. You take that rhema word and trust the process. It can be hard when your head hurts from the migraine so bad you don't want to get out of bed. You must trust the word of God. You must trust the process and boldly and aggressively 
Confess that rhema because faith will come. That's what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing the rhema of God. Faith will come. And you will hit that moment where you know that you've got it. And then you will feel the peace of God come into your heart. Man, my head still hurts, but I know I've got it. Devil, devil, we both know this is over. I'm healed. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. And see, that's the place of faith. That's true biblical faith. That's what most people don't understand. Hope is not faith. Wish is not faith. Want is not faith. I know that I've got it because the Word of God tells me I've got it even before I see it in the physical realm. That is true biblical faith. The next step, John 2 verses 1 through 5. This is one of the most important lessons from the Bible and it applies to really every aspect of our lives with God, but it it definitely applies to healing. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And that is the principle. Do whatever God tells you to do. When you are in this place of faith, you are tuned in to the spirit realm. And God may... Not necessarily every time, but it's very possible he is going to give you a divine direction. And my brothers and sisters, it may very well sound crazy. Remember what he told Naaman the Syrian, go dip in the river seven times to be healed of leprosy. And what did what did Naaman do? He said, no, that sounds stupid. I've got better rivers at home. And his wise servant says, hey, hey, it's not about how hard it is. It's just just do what the man of God told you to do. Naaman goes and dips in the river and he's healed. That is one of the great principles of the Bible, that God is going to give you directions that in the natural realm make no sense. But they're not designed to make sense. They're designed to make faith. Remember what Jesus told the lepers, go show yourselves to the priest. They weren't healed yet. They were inviting significant problems, but they went. And on their way, they were healed. There's something about an obedient act in faith that makes no sense, that just operates in connection with the power of God for your miracle. And the crazier it sounds, look, God will never tell you to do anything that is out of line with his written word. Never. So if you think he's told you to go punch somebody or hurt somebody or do anything ungodly, you heard wrong. That wasn't him. But assuming it's not, no matter how crazy it sounds and the crazier it sounds, it probably was God. And I'll give you just one example. My wife and I went to a healing meeting. The man of God prayed. He prophesied. He said, hey, God's bringing you out of this. This was early. This was like like maybe a month after she was diagnosed. And he said, look, the Lord tells you, don't sleep with any pillowcases. We didn't know this man. We never met him. He didn't know anything about us. I don't think he knew our names. The only way he even knew our names is if we told him in the healing line. I don't remember. But he told my wife, no pillowcases. And see, he didn't know this But she is very fanatical, sorry, honey, about her pillowcases, right? She's absolutely not sleeping without a pillowcase. And that's, we knew it was God. Because only 
I mean, he could never have known that, right? And she did for six months. She slept without a pillowcase. Why? Because it's designed to make faith. It's another point of contact between the natural realm and the spiritual realm. It's another point of contact for your faith. We are going to do anything the Lord tells us to do. And again, you know, maybe the Lord says to go see a certain doctor. Maybe the Lord says to go ahead and proceed with a certain treatment. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't ever throw your medicine away just because you're believing without confirmation, without a very clear confirmation from the Holy Spirit. Don't do things like that. Let the Lord guide your healing journey. Let the Lord guide your treatment plan. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We look at the word of God, not what is seen. We look at the word of God for our reality, for our conviction, for our persuasion of what is our reality. And we're going to do anything the Lord tells us. And as part of that, we are going to look for ways to resist the devil. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We are going to look to resist the devil any way that we can. You know, for me, when I hurt my ankle, the Lord told me, you know, get up and clean the house. Just start moving around and doing chores. I was resisting what the devil was trying to do to my ankle, was trying to put on my body. You know, maybe your kid's acting crazy. Maybe your spouse is acting crazy. But you love them anyway. You love them with that Christ-like, agape, sacrificial love anyway. You keep praying for them anyway. Maybe you're in a time of financial struggle, but you keep tithing anyway. These are acts of faith that resist the devil. And as you resist in faith, he flees. So let's just walk through this again. I am going to take authority and or power over the sickness, over the injury, over what's ever attacking my body in the name of Jesus. Then I'm going to move and I'm going to stand in faith that I am healed. And I'm going to grab one of the promises of God, the one that jumps out to me, the one that the Holy Spirit is quickening to me. I'm going to grab that promise because it's mine in Christ. It's my inheritance. Those promises are for me. The whole grace and faith system is designed for me to make sure I get the promise to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. That's you. These promises are yours. So I'm going to exercise my authority or power. Then I'm going to move to the place of faith. And I'm going to do that by getting one of these healing promises. And I'm going to speak it. I'm going to meditate it because faith comes by hearing. And I'm going to hear this promise until the faith rises. And I know that I've got it. I know that it's mine. Even when that Skin still shows I'm sick, even when my head still hurts. And I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And I'm going to labor in this rhema word to enter the rest. And I know that I'm in faith when I feel that peace, when I feel that joy, when I feel that rest, when I feel that confidence that I know that I've got it, even if my head still hurts. And from this place, I'm going to look for every opportunity to resist the devil. You just want to lay in bed all day. No, you get up. You go to work. You walk the dog. You do whatever you can do. You fight against what the devil's trying to do your, to your life because Jesus 
is the exact image of God, the exact likeness of God. And Jehovah Rapha wants you healed. It's the devil who's trying to kill your body, trying to steal your money, trying to steal your, your life. I'm going to fight against him and I'm going to do anything the Lord tells me to do, no matter how crazy it sounds. And as I do this, as I operate this process, I, a child of God, a child of Jehovah Rapha, entitled to all of Jehovah's, Jehovah Rapha's healing promises, I can be healed every single time. And let me just end with this, you know, in this doctrine, in this teaching, the words every one and every time are very controversial. But they are biblically accurate. That's what we see in the healing ministry of Jesus. That's what we see in the healing ministry of the apostles after Jesus went back to heaven. Everyone can be healed. And everyone can be healed every time. And I submit to you that those are two of the most important words in the whole doctrine because you must get to the place of faith and if you're thinking that maybe it's not everyone, maybe it's not you this time, then you can't enter the place of faith. You'll be double-minded. That's double-minded where you've tried to pray for yourself, but you're thinking maybe it's not me. Maybe it's not now. No, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of healing. Now is the day where those promises are yours. When you got born again, they had a birthday party for you in heaven. Remember, it says the angels rejoiced. They had a birthday party for you in heaven. And at that time, Jesus and God loaded up the present table for you. It included all the provision you would ever need. It included your spiritual gifts. It included your righteousness. It included the Holy Spirit. It included healing. All of these things are yours now. You have to take it by faith. You step in and you take your inheritance. You take these promises of God by faith. And they are for you every single time. And knowing that it's every one and every time, at least for me, that was one of the greatest joys in this process. Knowing that it was for everyone, every time. It was for all of you, no matter what has happened. It's available to you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. You can always reach out to me. You can always get together with me. We'll pray. We'll lay hands. We'll believe God. We'll find a verse together. We'll start walking it out together. I'm here for you. I love you. Jehovah Rapha loves you way more. And his healing power is freely available to you at all times. God bless you, my friends. See you next time.